covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Welcome in, fans of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Heilman here, as always, alongside my co-host, Jim Mernier. Today, we bring you one of two episodes for this week's edition of the show. Uh, this first one here is going to be an entire interview episode. Uh, and before I even announce that portion of it and who we're talking to, you might get the hint, of course, from the title. But hey, I'll tell you, at least in a second, I just want to give you a heads up that we now have merch we got a merch site thanks to jim setting that up there jim thank you very much no problem we, we appreciate that and so folks now you can get all of your favorite stuff on our new teespring store that you can find and that you can check out some of these awesome products it'll be inside the walls podcast.teespring.com and that will have plenty of stuff such as t-shirts sweatshirts we got decal stickers tumblers which by the way the tumbler that tumbler looks really nice. Uh, the logo just fits really well on the tumbler. So I'm going to be picking up, picking up one myself. I, I need one now. You know, <laughs> looks really good. It's a must. It's a must have. <laughs> you know, and we tried, we tried making these prices as low as possible as well. So if you really are a fan of the show, like we really are trying to keep them down so that you can, you know, spread the show a little bit too, you know. Arena football is family fun, cheap family fun, and we're going to try to represent that with our products. And not only that, it's going to be even cheaper because right now you can get a 10% discount on any of our new merch from the store that we just launched, mind you, with the discount code PLAYOFFS. Again, at checkout, put in the discount code PLAYOFFS, and you can be getting yourself a nice little little uh, piece out of that final price, and you get yourself some Inside the Walls merch as well. So go ahead, check out our new store. Um, like I said, some pretty good stuff, and we'll be adding more items as we think of it moving forward. And uh, yeah, plenty, plenty of things you can find on there. And to get ourselves into this show, plenty of stuff we're going to be talking about with this interview. So again, if you didn't see the title and you just kind of clicked on the next episode, uh, we interviewed Coach Tom Manas of the Albany Empire. Uh, he was on for the show this week, talked plenty on the team as a whole on his background in coaching since he's been everywhere and really just talking about the elements of what makes a good coach and what coaches are kind of expected to be i'll tell you one thing jim before we get in i really loved how laid back this discussion was it, it was it was really pleasant to just kind of and refreshing i guess to just kind of sit back and kind of talk like we were all like i don't know sitting like like say sitting in a garage drinking a, a brew or two you know and just yeah. chatting forgot the beer that's the problem yeah well yeah we forgot the beer (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was it was a good interview it was just nice like like you know most interviews you always have you know back you know give and take but coach manas just gave like i i couldn't interrupt him he was the the stuff that he gave us was very insightful and it just tells you what the passion of coaching is especially in this level and you get the inside look of what what he thinks how the birth of the Albany Empire happened, uh, how he got into the situation, the good ownership group there in, uh, in Albany, and the player personnel director there, and everyone around it, and how the fans came to him in his couple of early days. So it's a great story. He basically just tells the whole story of this season, this whole episode, 
so to this point, and it's a really good, a captivating um, story. And he talks about some interesting things. Jimmy Johnson, he brings up uh, a couple of players. He brings up his time in Detroit, uh, his time up in uh, uh, Toronto with the Alouettes in this Canadian Football League. And it's a, it is a story that you'll enjoy. Um, and it's there's a lot of funny things there. He does take you know shots at some fellow friends of his, but it's football and football's family. What he said, football is society. The society mm. that surrounds us is the same in the football team. It's just smaller. And that's pretty big if you think of it. And it was a great sit-down interview. Uh, I enjoyed it, and hopefully you guys stick around and make sure to download the, the second edition of the episode where we break down the action of this week and next week. But this was – I, I want to say thank you to the Coach Tom and Oz for joining us. It's a pleasure. And I want to say thank you to the Empire Organization for sending this up with us. We really appreciate it. And I want to say thank you for Tom again for joining us here on the Inside the Wall podcast. Yep. Tom, yeah. Coach Tom and us really, again, cl- really fun, inter- or fun and relaxing interview, a little different than the ones we've been doing. And again, for those listening in, this isn't the only episode this week. Trust me, we did previews. We did uh, recaps. You know, we have a whole other episode because this one was just such a long discussion. I, we didn't want to give you too much content in one in one pill like we needed to spread this out (laughs) so uh you know be watching out if you haven't seen the if you're looking for more content that's like where's my usual recaps and stuff or where's the mvp it's coming you know it's it's probably right around the corner or it's already out by the time you're listening to this so you know just take a look at our uh feed you'll see it but without further ado we'll let you guys uh listen in to our very laid back relaxed and uh Quite a uh, intriguing discussion with head coach Tom Manas of the Albany Empire. Coach, let's just dive into that into the story you've been kind of teasing us since we got in here. Um, the lead up into the season, we basically mid-April, you, the ownership from what was reported by the Times Union is basically waiting on a capacity limit to be set in place to then allow for a season to either go or not go. Um, they do eventually pass that pet capacity level to 25% at the times union center. You are then hired on after Rob Keefe, who is, you know, kind of the big dog in Albany yeah. at that time moves right. on to the IFL. Right. And you have a month and a half to prepare. Oh, way less than that. Even, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm being generous with that just off, off the top okay. of my head. So. so here's here's the chronological story behind my hire. Um, I, had, I had signed right after Green Bay. I coached in the IFL with Green Bay. Okay. I left Green Bay, and I had made the decision I wasn't going back to Green Bay. Great people, great town, everything was good, but I, I wasn't feeling it, okay, at that moment. So I got a phone call from a guy who said, hey, you should call Terry Foster in Jersey. He's trying to get a hold of you. He's <clears throat> looking for an assistant head coach and an offensive line coach. You think he'd be perfect for it. <clears throat> I said, okay, perfect. No worries. Call Terry up. We're on the phone 10 minutes together. This is in 2019. Okay. He hires me on the spot. Sends me over a contract. We're ready to go. COVID hits. And now, mind you, that whole time we're doing Zoom calls, we're getting ready for camp. Um, if you look at Jersey's roster that Terry had put together, uh, I I want to say I helped with that, but I was more of a, 
a conduit to some of those signings. Okay. And um, he's a fantastic player acquisition guy. Great and, roster up. Oh my God. If you look on paper, they're, they're seven and oh, you know, on paper. Right. We've been asking about it, you know, <laughs> right. As they're too, they are. Too well, there's, there's things that go on with that. And we don't really need to get into that, but sure, sure. the thing about it is, is that, um, so Terry and I, we, we found out COVID hit. And so we said, okay, we'll just do status quo. So we're all locked down. We're all home. We're doing whatever. <clears throat> well, I take that back. Here's how we found out about COVID. I flew out for camp. Okay. And I'm staying at a hotel and, um, I catch COVID while I'm at this hotel. And this is about a week before the players get there. And so I'm sick as a dog. And, you know, I think Terry got sick. We were all sick. And anyway, right around that time, Jersey closed down, New York closed down, Michigan closed down where I'm from. Everything started closing down. I'm stuck in this hotel room in Princeton, New Jersey. I get home finally three weeks later and uh, we're in lockdown. Now we know the season's not going to happen, this and that. Okay, more time to hunt and fish. Perfect. All right, <laughs> so I'm home, playing with the grandbabies. Everything's going well. Um, we're getting closer to the season, and I'm about two weeks away from reporting to Jersey. Driving my tractor. I live out in the country. Okay. Cutting the grass. I'm on the tractor, got the headset on, listening to some music. Phone rings. It's Nate Starlin. Well, no, first it's Terry Foster. Terry says to me, hey, coach, um, I just got a call to see if you would be interested in interviewing for the head coaching job in Albany. And I said, um, what, do you, what do you say to your boss at that point, right, who's asking me? <laughs> and I said, um, hell yeah. <laughs> so he said, no, it's, it's one you got to do. And Terry was so helpful in this process. And he said, no, I'm going to make you do it. You, you got to take the interview. So I said, okay, when, you know, when are they talking? He goes, oh, you're going to need a call from Nate Starling in about five minutes. <laughs> and I went, okay. Phone rings. I parked the tractor under a tree. My wife's walking out. She's like, what's up? And I go, shush, I'm on the phone. <laughs> she, she drops me off a lemonade. I'm sitting under this tree and Nate starts talking and we hit it off. Nate and I, uh, we both have a lot of similar personality traits. Um, we're both devout Christians. We both have family values. We both have this. We're talking about our, he lives out in the country. I live on the, he's telling me about his goats. I'm telling him about my dogs. We, you know, my hunting dogs, everything. So it's just going great. I don't think we talk football more than five minutes out of a 20 minute conversation. And he said, well, you need to talk to the other owner, Ron, and um, we'll see what happens. I said, okay. Fired up the tractor. Thanks very much. Did another strip on the lawn. Phone rings. It's Ron. Can you be here Friday at 6 a.m. or take take the 6 a.m. flight out to Detroit? I said, yeah, I can do that. Okay. I land there at 10 o'clock. Uh, Mike, our other owner, and Ron meet me. Um, we go to breakfast. We have a nice breakfast. We come over to the arena. He shows me around downstairs. We come upstairs to the offices, and he pulls out a contract. And he says, yeah, you're our guy. So I signed it, 
And I, I guess I got a pretty good recommendation from the commissioner and some other coaches around and they checked. And so it was pretty easy process. Nice. Little did I know, right? We didn't have hel- We didn't have helmets. We didn't have shoulder pads. We didn't have uniforms. We didn't have a staff. We didn't have players because uh, Coach Keith, when he left, um, although he left two weeks before the season, only had 10 guys on the active roster. Okay. And then I found out a couple of days later, Coach Keith had taken a couple of those players with him to Iowa. <laughs> so, which is okay. I mean, I get that. That you know, you do that. You take your players that you like, and and so once I found out about Les, I called him, wished him, you know, I I, I sent him a message congratulating him and Keith on the new venture. And so we got started, and we literally it was me, Ron, and Mike sitting at a conference table surrounded by boxes in this office and uh they said do you think you can do this do you think you can get a team together and i said yeah i do you know no problem and they said okay good espn's on the phone they want to talk to you they want to do <laughs> so i said okay no problem this ain't my first rodeo we're we're good and uh so I get on the phone with ESPN and it's Jeff Levesque from ESPN. And he says, um, you know, hey, coach, welcome aboard. Thank you. You know, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, how are you going to handle having a roster? And I said, what's today? He goes, it's Wednesday. And I said, oh, it was Tuesday. And he goes, yep. I said, I'll have a roster by Friday. And he goes, no, you won't. And I said, yes, I will. I'll have a full roster. Oh, well, a week from Friday. So like in 10 days. I'll have a staff and I'll have a roster. Dang. And he goes, okay. He, you know, I said, if you want to bet a stake on it, I'll bet you a stake on it. So little did I know with uh, trying to be, um, I was trying to be a little bit, you know, aggressive in my confidence. So anyway, they drive me back to the airport so I can fly home, pick up all my gear and fly back. While I'm waiting at the airport in Philadelphia, pick up the phone and I call Malachi Jones and I said, Hey, Malachi, I just got named the head coach in Albany or the playing force. He goes, I'm on my way to Montreal. You know? And I said, well, Hey, when do you got a report? And he says, you know, whatever date. And I said, well, don't do anything until you talk to me. And we laughed and we talked and and it was great. And uh, so I thought, okay, he's the first guy I'm actually recruiting, you know, that that's going to be a seed. And then I drove, I landed, packed, drove nine hours back to Jersey or to, sorry, to Albany, uh, checked in while I'm on the car ride over. I did like four podcasts, two interviews, this, my wife came with me um, and I was hiring coaches on the phone while I was driving. I hired Damon Ware as my offense coordinator, who I coached against in the IFL. I really liked this stuff. And uh, Sergio Gilliam, who was an AFL guy for the Blackjacks, coach for the Blackjacks. Okay. Defense coordinator. So I hired him, and I figured, well, we'll figure the rest out as we go. Um, Then I hired Dave Mogensen, who is my player personnel director, and I hired my son as the scout and assistant to Dave, who Phil had coached with me when I had success at Oakland and uh, other stops I've had, you know, around and and he I always put him on staff and help in some way he's a great football mind 
I call my baby Belichick. He's got a really good football IQ. So I get here. I think at that point now we have like maybe I had closed on maybe four or five players, um, sat down with Tommy, um, had breakfast, got to meet him for the first time. He's a legend in Albany. Oh, yeah. um, and uh, we had a great breakfast. We were talking. Um, I said, man, this is your hometown. Wouldn't it be great if we could pull this off and win another ring and you could do back-to-backs? And he said, absolutely. Um, he was instrumental. And once we signed him, made it a little easier recruiting, uh, obviously, because people want to play with him. Um, we got Darius Prince right after that. We've got, you know, a couple other guys, significant guys, Sean Lockett and mm-hmm. people like that. And I always say the roster we built got us 4 0. But the roster we have now would kick that 4 0's ass. I mean, our roster now is so much better than that roster, right? So um, we're always doing that. We have a board, and every day we're looking at the board. We're looking at personnel. We're looking at who's available. We're looking at who's sitting at the couch at home, who can help us with the push, all those things. Anyway, sorry, longer story than you guys probably want. But so. Boom, we start ordering helmets, we start ordering uniforms, we start ordering everything. And I'm talking cluster, mm, mm. bad, right? <laughs> the helmet guys, that you know, I need three weeks. Maybe you'll get them two days before the game or camp. Maybe, you'll, you know, the jersey guy is no way you'll have them maybe before the first game. This guy, everything. We didn't have anything. We, we literally, because you got to remember, um, the empire before us went into bankruptcy. Right. So, you know, picking bones in the office, That's right? Fair. So then we had that, you know, I put it out there. We're going to hire these interns. We hired this kid. I, I can't even tell you his real name. I, I think, oh, Alex. And he, he walks in the door. He says, yeah, I'm interested in an intern job for the summer. I said, okay. He's the only kid in this whole office. All right, here's your desk. Sell tickets. Help us, right? <laughs> He's like 19 years old. He has no clue oh, what's going on. And I said, um, you're my radar. He goes, what's radar? He didn't know the, sh- the reference to MASH, this TV mm-hmm. show. Okay. And I said, anything I'm thinking, you should already know. And he started laughing. So everyone <laughs> in the office started calling him radar. The worst radar you've ever seen in your life. Greatest kid. Sells a hell of tickets. He has no clue what I need. <laughs> so, but it's kind of stuck. It's, it's funny. So we build the office up slowly, slowly. And, you know, things are coming along. And I kept telling everybody, the thing that will fix all of this is just win, right? And I've been very, very blessed that everywhere I've been, for the most part, we've won. So I said, I kind of got a formula on how I do things. It's a little unconventional. Some people aren't going to like my style. But it's a cross between old school and new school, players coach, owners coach, it's kind of a cross between all those. And I think when you've coached as long as I have, you take the best parts of everything and you try to put them together and make it your style, right? You make it something of your own. Because as football coaches, we're all thieves. We steal from each other all the time. I like that play. I'm going to take it. I like the way he recruited. I'm going to do it that way. I like the way he markets his brand. I want to do it that way. So that's a compliment, not an insult to anybody. Sure. And, and so when we do those things and we get those things rolling and things start really developing, um, you know, and then we had a great start, but then we're still dealing with COVID. 
So I'm all pumped up. I'm hearing about how this place gets packed with 10,000 people and it's going to be this. And they go, oh, by the way, your first game, you can only have 1,000 people. And I'm like, what? Oh, and yeah. 300 of those people are staff that work in the arena. So you can have like 700 people in the place. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, this will be interesting. And those 700 people, 600 people, whatever it was, were so friggin' loud. And they were so smart. And I said, finally, I have an educated fan base. There's nothing better than when you know they know how to make noise when their offense is on the field, how to be quiet when our offense is on the field, when the ref makes a bad call, when the jump them, when the ref makes a good call, just be quiet, let it go. Mm. You know, all those things. We have the smartest football IQ fan base I've ever been around in my life, especially for indoor football. So we chug through, do all our things, have some moderate success. You know, I like to think we were, you know, we, we probably led the league through halfway point mm -hmm. uh, with record and scores. And, you know, we probably had every category at that point. Oh yeah. But now this is to my Jacksonville fan on here with me, right? <laughs> oh Jim, here we go. Here we go. So, <laughs> so we, make, we make this brilliant decision because we're the smartest guys in the room. I still regret this. And we say, hey, we got Orlando and Jacksonville back to back. Why don't we just move the entire operation down to Florida for two weeks? There it is. Stupid. There it is. <laughs> yeah. So we go down there and I didn't realize, oh, this is the best part. So I won't tell you who, because I don't want to embarrass them, but one of the people close to us says, oh, I got a great indoor facility for you down there to practice it. I said, okay. fantastic. Okay, great. That's the biggest problem. Housing, food, and practice facility. So we got a great hotel. We're staying in Orlando. We got a restaurant downstairs. We got restaurants all around. We're good. And now I get to go see the practice facility the day we got down there. It was a little kids. And it when I say little kids, I mean, these must be like two years to five years old toddlers indoor soccer facility where the average field was maybe five yards by seven yards oh no and there was like eight of them in these little cages and i thought uh this ain't gonna work <laughs> so pissed off not knowing what we're gonna do get on a get in my car driving down the highway and i see this park and it's this municipal park and i said well so I'm calling Nate, who owns Orlando and part of us. And I said, Nate, where do you guys practice? Because we practice outside, but you can never practice out here because it's always raining. I said, ah, I don't think so. Come on, man. How bad could it be? So I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and rent this park. I'm going to have the my, my GAs go out there, put out cones, have it looking like a field, have everything every day you need to go that was the second day we were there. It started raining. Oh. And it rained every day for the next month. Not, not only two weeks there, but two weeks when we got back. Oh, it God. Rained. So it's pouring. We'd sneak in an hour. We'd sneak in a half hour. Then you got to worry about it's dangerous, too, because it's not a football field. It's a park. Mm -hmm. We were actually practicing on a cricket field. Okay. Yeah, right? Yeah. 
Somehow we get through Orlando, we beat Orlando. We're starting our second week. I think guys got a little too comfortable. You know, after the first week, you're kind of just dialed in. Second week, you're getting dialed in, but there's some distraction. Mm -hmm. To be honest with you, you know, older players, older coaches, we always say embrace the suck. You know, great stories come out of suffering. Just deal with it. You know, blah, blah, blah. No one ever wrote a book about a plane landing safely at the airport. Right? A little it's adversity safe. doesn't hurt. Is right. It? It's a good thing. It's a character builder, right? Mm -hmm. Well, not so much. And so we go ahead and we get through the week. And it, we, I think we may get, maybe got one practice. I'm not making excuses, but it was just a poor idea to sure, be down there. Sure. And then so we get done. We make all these mistakes, four turnovers. Jacksonville beats us fair and square. Now we got a two-week bye. The worst thing for a coach to do is lose a game before a bye week, let alone a two-week bye week. I came home. I was kicking the dog for 10 days before I got over it, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, my wife's sitting there going, well, just forget about it. It's okay. And, you know, it's the last thing you did. And, and I always use – you know, if I died in a plane crash, I'm the dummy who lost to Jacksonville because I didn't properly prepare. That's how I look at it. You know, and so, yeah, I, it was just a bad thing. And then when we came back in Jersey, we played Jersey. Jersey gave us a game. They, they gave us mm -hmm. a game. Those vets stepped up. Yeah. You know, I think they only dressed like 19 guys. And they were, they were, they were good. And we were just getting off that bye. So I was a little concerned. So, but got back into our rhythm, got our thing going, you know, and now we're obviously sitting in a very good position. You know, we're hosting all the way through. So, but yeah, what a ride, man. I'll tell you what, we're a 12 week old team. That, that's what's, that's insane to me. You know, right. I, I mean, I'm, I find that I find this fascinating, like I said, and really, you know, go and circle back a bit on your story. The, for me, and I think many others, uh, at least, from what I could tell social wise, the Tommy Grady signing, I think was the biggest, like, okay, this is, this is a let's get serious type of like uh venture that we're having back is the empire, you know, cause you're bringing the face of the empire back at right. that point, you know, and, and then you know, people, people made all kinds of accusations and how'd you get him and how'd you do this and how'd you do that? The guy lives here. Right. That's right. The guy lives here. He's a mortgage banker. You know, he, he's tied to the community. He's got a beautiful family that lives here. He's the greatest indoor quarterback that ever played the game. Period. Ooh. Ooh. Tell me who's better. Well, now, Jim's got an table. argument. That's why I'm, that's why I'm going to. You know, but I'm telling you the truth. He is the, I, th I personally believe he's the greatest indoor football quarterback that ever played the game. Now, am I biased? Yeah, I see him do stuff at practice you guys wish you could see, right? So, I mean, it's to have the not only to have the skill set he has, but to have the longevity he's had, right? So, this is an interesting little story. So, the very first day we're having a football meeting, and, and you know, Tommy's there and all the guys are here, and we got him started. So, I said to the, you know, I'm talking to each group, and I said, offensive line, they touch him once, you're cut. Oh, dang. What an ultimatum. And I, said, and I said, they touch him once, you're cut. 
And they all kind of looked at me like, oh, he's just, you know, trying to talk tough. Guess what? In seven games, he's been sacked twice. And both of them were covered sacks. That's fair. Right? So That is very fair. You think about how many plays we average, what, 50 game, fifty plays a game? And we're in seven games, and he's been sacked twice? And That's why I talk about our offensive line the way I do, because I think they've been remarkable. Now add Mo Ruffins to it, and we got better. Rubens Joseph, who is our other tackle, mm-hmm. he may be, for his age and still growing into it, he may be the best indoor offensive lineman that's played the game. I mean, this guy's NFL caliber. He's been in, I think, three on three practice squads in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do that and be bad, right? Sure. Um, eyeballs, you know, right? And he, I mean, just watching them. And Sean Lockett, you know, what about you? Couldn't ask for a better leader, better center, uh, for Tommy. Tommy's only gripe is Tommy's six seven, and I think Sean's four nine. And so, hmm. when he, no, I'm just kidding. When he's got to get, when he's got to get his hands under him, hmm. he has to really bend over to get his hands under him, you know, <laughs> it's kind of funny, but. Uh, and they go at it once in a while, you know, raise your butt up. No, you put your hands in there. No, you do this. <laughs> so, but they, I, you know, I, and, and for the most part, it works. You know, we're, we're a beautiful, dysfunctional family. You know, we really are. That, that's all a football team really is, though. If, you know, if everything, I mean, if you find a gel, you're gelling and you get the formula down, you know, and that, that's what's awesome. You guys really, it, it, it's been impressive, you know. I, I, Jersey did worry me, like you're saying, when you guys yeah. came out, because I thought Jersey could have snuck a win there. Wow, they oh, were yeah. playing. Uh, and I was waiting to see last week really impressed me going, okay, well, they definitely didn't mess around against Columbus because I was, I was looking at, at week one and we've had to talk about with Columbus where it's like, well, there was injuries week one and, you know, we weren't completely. No, what, what happened with Columbus, though, I don't mean to interrupt you, but what happened sure. with Columbus was Ontario kind of screwed everybody up. Mm hmm. Columbus stepped right up and said, hey, we'll come and play them to make sure the league stays strong. I think Columbus had like three practices before they played us in game. Mm-hmm. So even though we were up, I think, by three touchdowns with like a minute to go, a minute and a half to go, and then they kicked all those onside kicks, you know, mm-hmm. and that's how they got back into it. Um, that was a fun game for everybody because it's first game of the year. Oh, yeah. Um, you talk about a puckered butt. That was me because that's my first game doing this in a new league as the head coach here that just won the previous year. The fan base, they don't really differentiate AFL to NAL. All they know is empire, empire, empire. Okay. Right? I, I was going to ask that at some point because that is another that's another piece that some some of us wonder because, you know, the AFL as a brand it right. kind of it's a legacy brand in terms yeah. of this sport so you know nal coming in and obviously and obviously these guys in albany we know they know their stuff so i'm i'm very i'm pleased to hear that you know that it's very receptive to the league you know the new league being with the albany empire so right. it's fascinating to hear that i guess yeah and it was you know and i i keep i have to remind the players sometimes too this is the NAL, not the AFL. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, the AFL um, business model was different than the NAL's business model. 
Right. You know, NAL is small market developmental league, this and that. AFL was like something a little bit bigger than that, right? Um, and so it doesn't mean we can't make our football as good, if not better than that. It's just that we're under different restrictions, different rules in recruiting and payment and salaries and things like that. So that that's the tough differential. Um, you know, I told I, I've made this point with our owners probably, I don't know, our, our players get $200 a week to play okay. football. Okay. They get, they get a win bonus of 250 if we win. If you're a veteran and you win, you get 275 That's the most you can get. And we're, we do a little bit more than other teams do. We, we feed them three meals a day. Um, some teams only give two. Some teams don't give any. Some teams, you know, have a different food program. But we have great sponsors, and so we're able to give them, you know, really good food. And we stay at a nice hotel, um, nice accommodations. We practice at great facilities. So we, we, we try to make it as first class as you can make it. Um, but I told, I told Chris, I said, you know, what we really need to do is we just need to forget all the, you know, $200 a week and then this and that. Because you know how hard it is on a player for, with that income level. Now, I get it. it's only for four months and all that. But some of these guys have kids. Some of these guys have mortgages, bills, ex-wives, you name it, right? So I said, why don't we pay everyone? Why don't we pay everyone a, a stipend of X amount of dollars and let them take care of their own housing and their own food? Treat them like grown-ups, you know? And I would love to do that because I think one, it'd be cheaper for the owners in the long run. Okay. And two is it will, I think it will give kids more of an opportunity to see the NAL as hey, I could. I may not make a career out of this, but I can see myself doing this every summer. Right. Or, you know, and, and yeah, when I was in Green Bay, they had a great jobs program. And one of the things they did there was if you were on the team and you wanted a job and you wanted to work year round and live in Green Bay, they helped get you a job, helped you with finding a house or housing. And you could live there year round and train year round and, and then be ready for football. So, there was a guy there, B.J. Hill. You know, it means nothing to you, right? B.J. Hill <laughs> made like 15 years Hall of Fame indoor football player. Okay. Lives in Green Bay. He walks down the street. You'd swear, you know, it was Joe Montana walking down the street, the way people gravitate to him. He's built a culture. He built a brand while living in town. And how did it all start? Came and tried out one day, 15 years ago. And now he's a Hall of Famer and he's got a great family and lives in Green Bay. So that's what I tell you guys. You can have a great life in football at this level. If you don't ever make it up to the next level, you can still have a great life in football. I love this level. I I love it because I love the time of year we play it. I love the commitment that you make to it, even though it's it is it is a nine, 10 month job for a coach in this league. Okay, but um we still have time for family and, and, you know, not so much like NFL or CFL, you know, where you're working 15 hours, 16 hours a day, you can pretty much work eight, 10 hours a day in this job and get the job done and have a life. So it, it, that I like about it. I also like the fact that it, the seasons it plays gives me my fall for deer hunting and, 
doing my thing and, and, and I'm being realistic and, and being sure. home for Christmas, which, you know, I didn't see a lot of holidays in the CFL, you know, well, so, <laughs> time of year, definitely. Yeah. And it was kind of the same, but it was just, it was a more of a year round thing, you know? Yeah. So. You're yeah. You're a next different, like you're saying, you're at another level, you know, and it's, it gets a little, it gets a little more, I feel technical yeah. at that, at that height, you know, maybe CFL and above at that point, you're definitely getting more technical and in the weeds right. with things. Um, right. you know, but I, I love, I love hearing, love hearing all this, you know, it, uh, just really, it's uh great to get a little bit behind this, behind the curtain type of, uh, yeah. Special. And it's all, it's, it's not a big deal. I mean, that's why, you know, we're the football is the worst kept secret in the world. You know, it, it is because we all share, you know, and as long as people aren't, malicious or try to hurt and mm-hmm. only try to promote and help, you know, that's the only way it's going to get bigger and better. Right. Very much. I, I, yeah, I, and I'm Jim and I, that we, in terms of just this version of it, um, it is amazing how many people I think have forgotten how, like what it is or how I think how good it is, you know, just, I don't think, I find it just strange that when I talk about arena football, people don't realize what it is anymore, even though it used to be a kind of a bigger thing right. just two under two decades ago. And it's almost like everyone just shoved it under the rug and moved on with their lives. And I went, no, wait, it's right. It's still here. Like this, this whole concept is still amazing. It's not dead, you know, but you know, every now and then I'm like, it's worst kept secret is indoor game or arena game, whatever you call it. Yep. You know. It's funny you say that. I had a player come to me um, not too long ago, and uh, it wasn't here. Let me clarify that. Okay. okay. Um, but had asked me to structure a contract for him that was somewhat like a, almost like an NFL style contract. Okay. Okay. And I said to him, do you understand what we are? That's first and foremost. And and he still gave me that, you know, tilted head dog look like, "Uh what are you saying? Kind of thing. And I said, well, all right, let me put it in perspective like this. You think you're really, really good. Yeah, I do. I said, okay, that's fair. That's a fair statement. Um, There's 300 and what, 40 million people in the U.S., Okay. Our fan base, if we sold out every game, is probably 10,000 a game. He said, okay. And our Facebook has maybe 8,000 followers. He goes, okay. So would it be fair to say that even if we doubled that and said we have 20,000 followers, the people that really care about us, would that be fair to say? He goes, okay. And I said, all right, and now let's take that 20,000 people. And how many of those people know you? Maybe half know of your name. And he said, okay, that's 10,000 people. I said, okay, now let's take Tom Brady. There's 350 million people in the U.S. How many people do you think know him? I'd say maybe 200 million, right? How big is their market? I don't know, half a million? Yeah. How big is this? Blah, blah, blah. And my point I was making is I wasn't trying to insult the young man. I was just trying to explain to him it's okay to be a big fish in a small pond. 
right? And if you treat it well, it will treat you well. And you can have a great life doing this. Mm-hmm. It's when you want it to be more than what it is. And then you act disgruntled about it. And, you know, I think for the most part, that's what I really love about this football team. Everyone understands where we're at. Everyone understands our family. We're a small market, you know, upper New York town, capital region. Um, We've got a great following. We're a boutique team. Like every team in the NAL is a boutique team, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's some legacy teams. Orlando Predators, Jacksonville, Albany, yep. when they were the Firebirds, right? That's so right. There, there were, there's legacy teams. And that's what I think drew me here is I remember the wars we used to have from Detroit with the Firebirds. And I thought, wow, that'd be really cool 25 years later to be there and be doing this. So it's just, I just wish the young men that came here use this league for the purpose it's intended, which is to help get them to the next level. We've got several guys on our team. I got calls from the CFL, the Lions, Detroit Lions, mm-hmm. the Vikings that are looking at our guys now that nice. we have on our roster. And that's, I tell them all the time, I'll, I'll help you pack. Cause that's what I'm, that's what I want to do. You know, if, if that hurts us next week, I don't care. I, I want you to, that's, we're serving our purpose. Does that make any sense? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm no, I, I mean, I'm getting it. You know, you're, you are, yeah. you are talking. You wish you want the best for your players in their right. livelihood and their situation. I know many of them. You know, most football players, the NFL is the the pinnacle goal. But obviously, yeah, there's our options you can go to, and sometimes the steps along the way have to be the other leagues the NAL is one of those stops that you can use as a tool. I actually, funny enough, as we're recording this, I did another interview today with a player who is currently in Europe, by the way. Um, and similar deal, you know, he's using a European league right now. Right. He's using it for film. He's dominating right now. Uh, the ELF is what it's called. And yep. he's looking coach at where coach there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But I'm just saying, I agree. I see what you're saying completely. I, I love stuff like that too, you know. And yeah, I, I, I just think I, I honestly just think that um, if, you know, I'm trying to remember the coach that said this because it was so sorry. Oh, that's okay. It, I can... it was so profound. It was so profound. What he said um, was, "Does it? Do you feel? Do you feel any different?" when you win a high school state championship versus winning a college national championship? And do you feel any different with the national championship in college that you do with the Super Bowl? Now you talk to some people and they say, well, Super Bowl is the ultimate. But if you just talk about sheer emotion, I've won all three. Well, I haven't won the Super Bowl. I won a great cup, right? Yeah. So I will tell you, it's exactly the same for me. The emotion. Now, as a coach, you're kind of like a proud dad. You're watching your guys and you're watching them celebrate and you're watching that. And then when, you you know, that that feeling in the state championship, and watching those young men and their families and all that. Then you watch it in college and you watch, wow, how we separate ourselves from this and that. Then you watch it in the pros when you win something that big. 
and it's the pop and grandeur of it all, right? You know, the champagne and the confetti and all that. But the rare, the, the unique emotion of that, it's the same. It really is. I mean, when it's winning, whether you're winning, you know, whether you're winning in eight-man football in West Texas or you're winning, you know, in, in you know, uh, in New England with the Patriots, winning's winning. It's just all, you know, Tom Izzo had the best line ever. So I went to this coach's symposium okay. and I'm in this symposium and Tom Izzo stands up. He's one of the speakers. And he said, all right, um, I just want basketball. I'm just talking to basketball coaches. Okay. okay. He said, if you won a national championship, stand up. So like a dozen guys stood up. No, actually it was more than that. Like almost 20 guys stood up. Because oh, wow. Division Three, Division Twos, you know, NAIA, whatever, JUCOs, they all stood up. So there's like 24, 25 guys. He said, now, if you won two national championships, stand up. There's like four guys stand up. And that was his point, is that, you know, never take one for granted. Mm-hmm. Because getting two is really hard. <laughs> yeah. Right? So. Right. Does it really matter where you get it? You know, I, I tell the guys we're the only sport where you got alpha males, you know, warriors that we play for jewelry. It always cracks me up. We play for jewelry. <laughs> it does. That just cracks me up. We're that's playing a, for rings. That's a good way of kind of summarizing that. Actually, <laughs> I've got rings, and at, when, when I would get a ring, I give it to one of my kids. I have six kids, so I give it to my kids. Okay. So. Then someone say, hey, you got this thing. Can you wear your ring? And I go, I got to call. Who has it? I had no idea. So when we went home for break this time, I've got a very, very nice Grey Cup ring. At the time, it was the largest professional football ring produced. We had billionaire owners. And in 2004, it was the biggest one that's been made. Weight, diamonds, sapphires, the whole bit. So I went home. And I got the ring and I put it on and I wore it back here to Albany and I wore it back the first day of practice. And I wanted the guys to see it. And I wanted the guys to, to ask me about it. I wanted the guys, not because I was showing up, I don't wear jewelry, but I said, I wanted them to see it. So they understood that this is what to be the absolute best means at that level. We can have one just like this. Mm-hmm. at this level and you know it doesn't matter and they you know i had a couple of players after practice couldn't take my eye off that ring coach couldn't take my eye off that ring and i said get one get one the nice thing about these you know they're free if you play good you know <laughs> <just kidding. clears throat> so but anyway they you know that that's what i'm getting to is that it's hard you know how do you motivate grown men right you you that's a fair point. they have to motivate themselves you know i i had a friend of mine call me up congratulate me oh man that's great you're number one seed oh that's fantastic I, I didn't do nothing he goes what do you mean you didn't do nothing i go i haven't thrown one pass i haven't one tackle and ran one ball i said i just try to keep this ship going 
teach you, we'll coach you up, we'll help you, we'll watch film, we'll do everything, you know, we'll do everything, you know, so I hope they get that, you know, and they take that away from with them because most of these guys are going to end up coaching somewhere when they're done playing, even if it's their kids. Mm-hmm. And they all make fun of what I say, my little slogans. I said, don't worry, you're going to use them. You're going to steal them. <laughs> I stole these, you're still them. You know, it's the way it goes. <laughs> but it's true. Anyways. That, that, that's, that's too funny. <laughs> but I, I love, yeah, I love just, I love getting this little perspective here from you, Tom, from Tom, from you, Tom. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's nice. It's just nice to, you know, it gives it, that is fair. You know, that, that's all of those are very good points about the game and everything else with that comes along with it. So it's the greatest game in the world. And, you know, I've been in this is honest, got truth. I started playing football when I was five years old. OK. I'll be 62 in April. And I haven't missed a season. Wow. Right? And I don't miss practices and I haven't missed meetings. And, you know, I. I've had surgeries. I got new knees, new shoulders, getting a new back, getting, you know, everything repaired all the time. But the point is, is that you can have a great life in football, but man, is she a cruel bitch of a mistress. (laughs) She will take your heart right out of your chest. Mm. You know, when you want, when, you know, she doesn't give you what you want when you want it. Uh, And, and, you know, I think of families, the sacrifices, kids, you know, missing a kid's game, a school play, of this, of that. And then somewhere around when Jimmy Johnson had just won his first Super Bowl, right? I don't know if you guys remember this. He got on TV and he was on 60 Minutes doing an interview. Okay. And they said, they asked him this question, Super Bowl or your children? And he said, Super Bowl. And I, at that moment, I never missed another thing. I made it work. (laughs) So, no, it put things in perspective. It was just shocking to hear somebody admit it, right? Sure, sure. Then you listen to someone like Bruce Aarons, who says, I'll fire you as a coach if you miss one of your kids' recitals, dances, basketball games, whatever, you know, and, and the differences. Now, Jimmy's softened as he's gotten older, you know. You want a great Jimmy Johnson story? Sure. Shoot. Great Give it to story. us. Yeah, I'm only referencing this because I had a player accuse me of this not too long ago. He said, you treat me different than that guy. And I said, absolutely. That guy's way better than you. <laughs> so I, treat him, I treat him way differently than I treat you. And they go, well, that's not fair. And I said, this ain't high school. This is pro football. He goes, well, what do you mean? And I said, okay, I'll tell you a story. Jimmy Johnson is in front of the team in Dallas, and he's given a morning speech, morning meeting. And he looks up at the back of the room, Troy Aikman's in the back, and he falls asleep. Next to him is the second-string offensive guard who falls asleep next to him. They're both sleeping. Mm. Got their spit cups in the hand, and they're just passed out, right? It's okay. early morning meeting. Meeting ends. Jimmy walks up the hallway, taps Troy on the shoulder and says, hey, buddy, time to get up. We got practice. 
Trunks, oh, oh, sorry, coach. Gets up and goes. Then he goes to the second string offensive guard, taps him on the shoulder, and he goes, get your shit, you're cut. True story. You treat people differently based on ability. You treat people differently based on certain things, right? You try not to, but that's the reality of football. That's the cruel mistress part of it. You got to earn it too is what that also comes off as well right definitely that's i don't i never i've definitely not heard that one before (laughs) that's the first it's true story that that is literally a true story yeah there's it's just you know like i said i i'm i'm an avid reader right so i'm always reading i'm reading a book on teddy roosevelt right now you know, and then while I'm reading that one, I'm reading the, this book uh, from Bill or from Coach Walsh, and it's talking about the score will take care of itself. And then I'm reading this other one, uh, Lord of the Flies. And then I'm reading this other one, you know, and so I'm always trying to grasp um, little thought process, motivations, this, that, always trying to learn something new. And it's, it's funny how people think it's a football team is, you know, wow, that's really cool. You know, or, or they're really bad guys or, you know, they see a group of my players walking in someplace, they go, oh, oh trouble's coming or this and it just based on our social, you know, prejudices. Right. Sure. And um, what I try to explain to people is a, a really well run football team is like a little city within itself. In our city, you're going to have good guys. You're going to have bad guys. You're going to have uh, smart guys. You're going to have not so smart guys. You're going to have um, heterosexuals. You're going to have a homosexual. You're going to have this. You're going to have that. Everything a society has, you have. And anyone who thinks differently is so dumb to think that just because you're on a football team, it's different than it is in society. These are people from society jammed into a little thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, as, you know, especially the social economic side of it, you know, we actually had a couple years ago, we had a bye week and I said to a kid, um, you're going home? He goes, no, coach, can I stay here? And I said, why? And he goes, I don't feel safe. I said, wait a minute, are you talking like domestic violence? You're talking this? He goes, no, my neighborhood. Oh. Yeah, I just don't want to get killed. Going home. Okay. I thought to myself, good Lord, come stay at my house, you know? And, and that's, I think that's the other thing is how many people can a coach touch in his lifetime, in his career, in his path? You know, uh, I had a kid come up to me probably 10 years ago and he comes up to me and he goes, Hey coach, you remember me? I said, no, sorry. I don't. And he said, you coached my little league team with your boys. It was the Shelby Lions, this little city team. When my kids were younger, I coached them. And he said, you taught me so much and I'm so happy and blah, blah, blah. Did you know I went to college and I got my degree? Oh, and I'm married and I got this kid. And I thought, oh, my God, that's so nice to you to even say that, right? Even just to come up and, and say that. Right. And, and I was this much of, you know, this much. I was inconsequential in the big picture. But the fact that, you know, we touch so many people that you got to almost be careful, too, because you don't want to destroy a kid. True. You know? Yeah. So. 
I mean, yeah, <laughs> coach coaches are definitely, you know, and they're always a, they're an influence. Well, they can be an influence and they can be someone to look up to as well. So, Oh yeah. You know, that, well, I mean, I mean, that, that story alone, coaches. you know, <laughs> we've all had coaches that you just can't stand. You hate them. You're, they're jerks and they're this. And I always say, yeah, when you, when you're saying that, that'll be the guy you talk about the most about how he used to help you and this and that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I'll leave you with this and I'm sorry if I'm running on, but I said, um, I'm not, I don't want to be the coach that you invite to your wedding. I want to be the coach you call me when someone you love's in the hospital or you have a funeral to go to and you're not ready for it, or you're having, you got a flat tire on the side of the road in the rain. I said, I want to be that guy. I don't need to be friends with the 25 year old kid. I'm a 61 year old man. Mm -hmm. I don't need to make sure I please you but I want you to know I'm there for you. Um, so like I said, I, I would rather not go to the wedding. And I'd rather be there when you need me. And sure enough, man, that, that's held true probably the last 25 years, more so than you'd know. Um, I get bizarre calls in the middle of the night sometimes, just people wanting to talk and uh, happy to do it. So it's a full-time job, man, doing this. Yeah, wow. <laughs> That's great. That is wow. That's, that's sorry. I didn't mean to get so heavy, but no, I mean that's, I that's fine. I look, I I love pod I love doing podcasting interviews like the like this where because you never know what you're gonna talk about. So like I just you know, I'm 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 happy that I'm happy to hear about all this, you know. And I mean, I know Jim and I both, you know, Jim can test to his own. I think Jim fell asleep. <laughs> no no i'm actually no. really enjoying this he's taking life. it all in you know, that, that's <laughs> yeah, the thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, but like both of us played football as well so like you know we right. we, we relate to that a lot you know like co- right like you're saying coaches are kind of a you know they're they're a cornerstone or pillar for a player you know that right. you can go to so right. it's nice to hear about that you know and especially if you're you've been in this so long so you you've seen it all you know it, well and that's that's what i try to tell First of all, like I had a kid come and got in a little trouble and uh, nothing major, just silly shit. And I said to him, I go, what did you think was smart about what you did? And he said, well, you know, first he tried to lie. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I really didn't do it. Da, da, da. And I go, just so you know what you did, I invented. <laughs> I did that 25 years ago. I did that 40 years ago. I said, you ain't going to come up with anything. There's no scam, no trick, no lie that you're going to say that I hadn't seen her done myself or whatever, you know? And, and then we start laughing about it. And then I say, okay, we straight now. Yep. And sometimes the lessons don't have to be, you know, you chop someone's head off. Sometimes the lesson is just letting them know that you get it and it's okay to screw up sometimes, you know? And I, I think, you know, if, if we did that a little bit more, you know, place be a nice place to live too. You know, we're just, uh, we're easy to judge and really, really stubborn to forgive. You know, I, I, you walk in my office, you'll see a cross hanging on the wall. You'll see pictures of my family. And I, and I believe God family football in that order. Right. And I, I've always been that way. And, and I know that's not probably as popular uh, to some people. Um, but you know, the thing about it is 
the only reason coaches get to be successful, the only reason I'm here is my wife let me. She let me. She's willing to say, I'm okay with you being gone four months. I'll come every couple of weeks. We'll make it work. Don't worry. I'll get on the tractor. I'll take care of the property. Don't worry. I'll do the things that I need to do for you. You know, she's a football wife, right? She's, yeah. she's the perfect person that, you know, God gave me, right? And then you talk about your kids and your kids are calling you. We have a ritual that I have to call every kid before every game, starting at around five o'clock before kickoff. So, you know, I'm on the phone, I'm calling them all. Hey, I love you. Getting ready to go. And the poor last kid gets, Hey, see ya. Bye. Love you. You know, what but that, that's the thing is that if you, you know, I don't, I, would you love everyone to like you and like the way you do things? Sure. You would. Saban said it the best last week. He said, if you want a job where everyone loves you all the time, sell ice cream. Don't coach. Sell yeah. ice cream because everyone will love you. You know, and, and I think that's part of it is that you're never going to get everyone to love you right now. But maybe as they grow, they'll figure out that what you were really trying to do was to get them to a place above you, better than you. Sure you more, you know, and that, and that's a big part of it too. So it's, you know, that's the thing. Everyone thinks, Oh, well, you know, everyone just wants to play because Tommy's here or Prince is here. Malachi is here, but it's also the guys you don't know real well. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Bracken Smith who just comes to work every day, like with the lunch pail kind of guy. Right. I love those guys. I, that, that was me. I love those guys. Just come and work. Don't say much, do their job great teammate, you know, um, and then, you know, we have our superstars, but, you know, everyone's kind of hoping, I think to a certain degree, it's us in Jacksonville in the first round because we both have tremendous fan bases. Right. And wouldn't that be very cool to like break 50,000 on YouTube or something, right? You know, have this crazy amount of people watching and, and of course, selling out at our place and doing all that. So, uh, and then on the other side, you know, I know Carolina, or I'm um, sorry, Columbus, mm-hmm. uh, after the game, you know, one of the coaches walked by me and said, see you in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you hope, <laughs> right? <laughs> They're a good football team, though. They're a really good football oh, team. Yeah. And, and you know what? We This year, I know records don't really show it, but we don't really have any bad teams. We've had some bad outcomes, but we don't have bad football teams. They're all pretty well coached. They're all pretty well stacked. They, you know, so you're I know not- Jackson, you know, to the start they wanted, but. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not the first person to say that, though. Like we had, when we had Danny Southwick on last week, he was the exact same quote. He's like, you have six teams that all have pretty much a concentrated talent around them. Eventually you're going to get guys that get losing records. It's just bound to happen. Even if it is all of them are solid teams, you know, someone's going to come out at the bottom, you know, that's that's what's going to be at the bottom. Well, that's, that's kind of how we were looking at the playoff run. Right. Mm -hmm. So we we're having this bye week. We have this two week bye from hell and, 
after the Jacksonville fiasco. So <laughs> we, have, we have this two-week bye, and I'm sitting there going, that's great. So now for the next two weeks, these guys just got to all play each other, and someone's going to lose each game, right? Yep. Yeah, of course, Columbus went on this winning streak. <laughs> right. <laughs> came back, and all of a sudden, I looked at this thing, and it says, we're second place. I go, how are we in second place? So I get on the phone, I call the commissioner up, and I said, Chris, how are we in second place? He goes, you're not in second place. He said, that's, if you guys want to split, yeah, but you win the tiebreaker because you already beat them and everything else, you know, would be points against or something. And I said, oh, okay. So we are first? He goes, yeah. And I go, fix it. Too hard. I don't want him waking up and seeing us number two all of a sudden. We have the same record and we beat the guys ahead of us. So I, I think that was a part of our motivation too when we played Columbus is just to show everybody that we like to think we were number one at that time against mm-hmm. them, you know, two one one A and one B playing each other, let's say. Yeah. yeah. And um we played our best football there. And we still haven't played our absolute best flawless football yet. Because we're such a slow starting team that it makes me you know, I got a playoff beard going and it's white as snow. So it wasn't when I left my house in Michigan. Now it's white. Oh, so, <laughs> oh yeah. But I, but I think that's the deal though. Is I think that they, uh, you know, we all are trying to make this big run now for the championship. And uh, I, I think, I think we haven't seen the best football yet. I think we're about to see it. From everybody, it's going to be good. I and I'm this weekend. I'm looking forward to a lot because of the fact you have three teams now. They're going to be as desperate as ever to get that qual that qualification. You know, I mean, Carolina made moves in the transactions alone that says we're making one final push. Right. You know, because we're somehow we're still here. So, you know. Okay, but look at it this way. Here, here's this will make Jacksonville very happy. <laughs> So we, we got a big board in my office and we put every scenario that could happen because every, like Orlando knows who they're playing. They're playing Columbus, right? Mm-hmm. We're the only team aside from the three battling for the four spot that we don't know who we're playing yet. So yeah. we have every scenario on the board. So in every scenario we got, if all three teams, if Jacksonville, Carolina, and Jersey lose this week, Jacksonville still goes. Playoffs. If, oh yeah, if Jacksonville loses, but one of, I think it's one of the other teams win, depending on who it is, they still might go in because of the uh, tiebreaker. So, there is some bizarre stuff going on out there. So we we literally filled an entire whiteboard with different scenarios. Who could play who? Who could do this? Who could do that? And you're going to ask, well, why would you do that? Because typically on Sunday mornings, we'll come in after the game, break down our previous game, and start our game plan for the next week. Mm-hmm. And we'll have the you know we'll have our GAs getting everything loaded up uh, Saturday afternoon for the Sunday match. You know, starting up for the coaches. And uh, we have no clue. But right now, I think Jacksonville's in the best position. They win most of the tiebreakers. Okay. 
That would, that would be, that would help a lot. I mean, you know, the, the differential is one that we've been looking at a lot for the point. See, if Jacksonville loses to us, the other two teams have to lose for Jacksonville to get in. Sure. If Jacksonville loses to us and one other team wins, that other team will go in. So sure. we're expecting Jacksonville's best game. I bet. I bet. So I, I think this might be the, at least in competition, it could be the best week of the entire season for oh, all yeah. of what's at stake, you know, for, I, season, right? for, for yeah. you, I, I want to ask because the, technically in NFL terms, this is kind of like a week 17. We don't yeah. have anything to play for a week. So how do you, how are you approaching this week? I have 12,000 fans to play for. Okay. Well, that's, that's fair. I, I right. we, if we want to look at it that way, you know, well, you know, I think you have to mm-hmm. um, understandably this. One is um, we've had this conversation with the team all week. Um, I'll ask a player, I won't tell you who, and I'll say, do you want to sit this week? They look at me like I'm an idiot and say, coach, no, I want to play. Let's, at least let me play a half. Mm-hmm. I say, okay. And I, then another player is like, well, if I get two touchdowns, then I'll come out. Or if another guy says something. And they all have personal reasons for that. And that's rightfully so. Maybe they're going for, you know, the league leader in something, or maybe they're going for this. But ultimately, they're all under one roof saying, we want to win this football game. So, I mean, in a perfect world, you know, we'll have our starters in for the first quarter. We'll be up by 20. And, you know, we'll put in some other players that need some playing time. Okay. It never happens that way. Sure. So now maybe it goes to a half, mm-hmm. but at halftime, if, I mean, I'll be honest with you, if we were to be down a couple points, I might just still play the other guys. Fair. Fair enough. I, 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 I want to be, I want to be seven and one. I really don't want to be six and two. Right. Sure. Sure. And I want to go in with momentum, but I also can't be stupid and, you know, pull up Friday night lights with booby. Right. <laughs> right. So, yep. mm-hmm. That's what you don't want to do. You don't want to have one of those happen to you. Yeah. When you, you brought up the fans, I mean, you're talking about building the base. Uh, how much, uh, what is the COVID restriction right now? Is there none. any, there is none. none. Okay. So there is none right now. Well, we just ask if you haven't been, you know, if you haven't been vaccinated, just please wear a mask, but mm-hmm. no one's going to check your, you know, your punch card for vaccinations or anything like that. And we're having a huge block party um, Saturday. We always have great ones. Last week it poured, so we did it inside. And I I hear it wasn't real good, Mm. but we're going to do a big block party. We got bands and we got all the food and drinks out there. And that starts, I think, at five. So we get a lot of walk-ups from that too. Um, But ticket sales have been very, very brisk. And we've already started selling a lot of first round playoff tickets. Oh, that's great. That's great um, yeah. And, you know, I'm not taking away from any other arena or any other stadium, but we got a really cool place to play football, you know, and it's um, when that place gets full, it's, it's a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to, I haven't seen it full yet. I seen it a quarter of the way or a third of the way, and it was loud as heck. 
Hmm. It was crazy. So I can't imagine what a full arena there would sound like. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it here. I, I, I so badly, it, you know, for the playoffs, at least want to see that, like what I saw in 2019, because uh, between, between me and Jim, I'm newer to the scene. I, I fell in love with the AFL in its final season. And I can tell you just those broadcasts, I would, that's a arena I want to go to at some point and yeah. check out a game. Really well, you, you know, if you and Jim decide you want to do a road trip, you let me know. I'll make sure you got good seats. Ooh. And uh, you hear that, Jim? <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm serious. If you guys would love to come, I mean, I'd, I'd love to host you. You know, it's it's one of those things where um, you can't describe it. You know, there's not enough really beautiful words for it. You know, the whole thing, the whole atmosphere of it, because it's so intimate and, um, you know, and these are people that I see at the restaurants. Oh, you know, when we were talking earlier, how, when I got signed, yeah. so that day I got signed at that conference table in the offices with all the boxes. And I was doing zoom calls and they had a computer set up because we were doing all that stuff at that time. So finally the owner said, Hey, before we take you back to the hotel, are you hungry? And I said, yeah, I'm starving. It's like six o'clock. So we went to this little dive kind of bar, cool sports thing. Um, and we walked in and sat down at the table and I had on this bright orange empire shirt. Right. Okay. So I changed it and put on a, just put on a button down. So, I'm, so I didn't want to deal with anything. I just sat as far back in the darkest corner as you could be in this little out of the way place. Okay. And uh, oh, cool. There's there's TVs in here. I want to see some scores. And I went like this. I'm on that TV, that TV, that TV, that TV, that TV. That TV, that TV. <laughs> Within like five minutes, we had 50 people around us at the table <laughs> buying tickets. That was the craziest thing. Wanting to buy tickets. And of course, the owners are like, okay, what's your name? And here we go. <laughs> and, you know, and, and then they're they're getting autographs, they're talking, and they were so welcoming. They were just so wonderful. But it was just, it was great, you know. But that's that's the fan base we have here. They're they love their football, man. Upstate awesome. New York. That, yeah. That's, that's so that is so cool. I mean, yeah, unfortunately, I mean you get swarmed, but you know, that's <laughs> what are the odds of having that happen? Oh, I can't even imagine what Tom Grady or you know our Tommy does when he goes to get gas. People, oh must god, just, yeah, must take forty-five minutes to fill up his car. You know, <laughs> I, I, you know, and and we have good guys. We have really good guys. First thing I said when I got here, and they said, "What kind of team you're going to build?" I said, "Characters the ceiling, talents the floor. If they don't have good character, they ain't going to be around here long." Because it doesn't matter how talented you are if you don't have character, right? And these guys are representation of not only the owners, our brand, their teammates, but now also the capital region, the city of Albany. So we take that seriously, you know, and I'm yeah. really, really proud of this football team and these players, you know. So it's it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Jim, would you uh, give any questions you'd like to uh end our conversation with uh no because he basically he answered a couple of my questions <laughs> when it's when he was talking about his story um you didn't mention tommy grady you said he in your opinion he's the greatest quarterback player in which is very very debatable 
He's been everywhere. Sure. He's been successful everywhere. And when Zach was saying, well, Jim's may get in an argument with that. Well, he, he's up against like Bonner. He's up against uh, Aaron Garcia. He's up against like, right. Rodabaugh, who had a very good late of his career. Who's now right. co- uh, offense coordinator, I think, Frisco. Um, yes. But the relationship that I've seen with you on the field for multiple games, I can tell that you, you've been around the game for years. CFL, IFL, NAL, AFL. Right. And you've answered the question that you loved Albany. For, as a coach that's been in this league, the arena league so far, the NAL, do you see this league, in your opinion, having a foundation where, let's say, five, hopefully ten years from now, this league is back in the AFL stage? Or people actually will, know the NAL? I will, I will bet you – Within two weeks, there'll be an announcement that will answer that question for you. Oh, Please. man. Okay. <laughs> we got more breaking news on the podcast, baby. Leave a nugget like that. All right. All right. No, I'm, I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be aloof. I'm just saying that there's fantastic things on the horizon for this league. And nice. and my, you know, my plan. I told when I shook hands with Ron and Mike and Nate, I said, this is my first last job. Okay. So I said, when this is done, I'm getting back in my tractor, going to hunt my fields, do my thing. So I said, they go, well, how long do you think that'll be? And I go, I don't know, maybe eight, 10 years. They go, what do you mean? And I said, well, you guys plan on packing up before then? You know, I, I honestly think that the longevity is here. Um, the quality of football is here. The quality of ownership is here. You got great owners, man. You really do. And, and more importantly, you've got great management as well. You know, there's not a lot of big egos in this league. There's not a lot of, you know, uh, risky behavior in this league. There's not a lot of uh, betting at all, betting the farm on one thing. No, we're okay. We're, we're fine. We don't need to have eight teams and three of them go bankrupt in the first year. You know, we don't need to, we're going to take our time. We're going to grow the right way. And my hat's off to, you know, our commissioner and Chris, I think is done. You know, uh, I tell him all the time, he goes, I said, how you doing? He goes, oh, I'm doing okay. I go, you're juggling chainsaws, aren't you? He said, yeah, kind of. You know, because it's, it's, you know, when it's right, it looks pretty. When it's not, you're bloody, you know. So you got to take it slow and just methodical. But I think our growth, guys, is uh, inevitable. I really do. I, I think you'll be really happy in, in a few weeks. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm, yeah, same mm, here. You got me. You got me excited for something. Now, I'm just now coach, now coach, I need you to um, pull all your starters and, and tune in next week for the exciting news, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> now I just need you. What to did pull I tell you earlier? You know what? And, and I'll be and I'll be honest with you, right? So let you be the coach, of Jacksonville, for a second. You be coach for for a second, mm-hmm. okay? So now you go into halftime and both the teams that you're competing with are getting their ass kicked. And you know, it doesn't really matter if you win. Do you sit your starters? Mm. Mm. You're going anyway, right? So I think every coach, given the scenario, 
We'll be scoreboard watching. Yeah. I mean, well, out of those three of those guys, they will. But, you know, and that's the thing is that then you got to wonder, okay, does Orlando risk their starters against Carolina? Maybe they sit everybody. Then you got to wonder, you know, does Columbus, you know, because Columbus, Orlando, and us, doesn't matter what happens. We're set. Mm-hmm. What happens if we let all three teams win? Right. I mean, and I don't mean literally let them win. I mean, you know, pull starters and, you know, we're okay with playing behind and doing that kind of thing. That's what I'm saying. You know what? Once the bullets start flying, everyone wants to win. It's going to be very competitive weekend. No one wants to end the season on a loss. You know, I know we don't, and I'm sure none of the other coaches do. And you don't want to go into the playoff. It's not like we have any bye weeks, right? We use them all, you know. That's my only real complaint is that I wish we could play the first round and then have an extra week and then play the championship. So families could fly in, you know, this could happen, that could preparation, make it a real big event. Oh yeah. But with COVID, I, I get it. Let's just get in and get it done. We were, you know, we, we did what we said we were going to do as a league. We played football. You know, And we as fans are grateful, by the way. Yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Fans and coaches, because we were all unemployed, waiting patiently. So, yeah, it, it, I'm glad. I'm so happy for the fan base. I really am. And, you know, I told you this earlier. We, we had to do our uh, – the, the league sent out our nominations for the best of the best for this year, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like who's coach of the year, who's assistant coach of the year, who's the best fan base, who's the best, you know, first team, second team. <clears throat> And I'll tell you flat out what I said. I said, I love our fans. And I, and I said, Albany won, Jacksonville two. That's exactly what I said. Those okay. fans are great down there. They, they had, oh, I'll tell you what, they make a lot of noise down there. Very passionate people. You know? Yes, they do. <laughs> so it was fun, though. I love playing in those environments, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, that's a real so, that's, that's style. You know? So, beyond your team, yeah. If you had to vote for an MVP player MVP this year, be on your team, who would that vote for be? Someone not on my team? Someone that's not on that's not wearing Albany colors. Who is the MVP outside of Albany? Wow. Um, can I give you a guy a cut? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you can if you want. <laughs> I, you know what? Um, please understand this i say this respectfully there's nobody in the league as good as our guys that's good that's good i get that i expect that from a coach so Mm -hmm. any coach who gives you a different answer is just lying to you anyway right so (laughs) yeah because other coaches just make up a name so they can just oh let's go to the next question Right, exactly. I'm too old for that shit, right? So my thing is, (laughs) well, it's true though, right? I don't have, listen, my owners told me this on the very first day. We don't care if you win one football game. We just want to get through a first season and we we want to put a good product on the field. And I said, what? I said, I'll bet you we win the championship this year. And they, you know, of course, they'd know me all of three minutes. They said, okay, we hired a lunatic. Because we don't have helmets yet. <laughs> we don't have anything. And this guy's out saying he's going to win the championship. And I said, oh, we'll win the championship. Really? 
So we made a little side wager. And I said, you know, well, whoever's buying the first dinner or drinks or whatever the case is. And, and if I didn't think that way, what kind of coach would I be? What would motivate me to get up in the morning? What would motivate me to be away from my family, my kids, my grandkids every day? So if I was the kind of coach that would sit there and say, oh, there's somebody better than Darius Prince, please. There's nobody better than Darius Prince. He's the best wide receiver in the league. There's nobody better than Tommy Grady. He's the best quarterback in the league. I can go on down the list. We have the best offensive line in the league. We have the best defensive line in the league. We have the best linebacker core in the league. You know, and, and I'll say it straight face to anybody who asked me. And, and if I didn't do that, then what kind of leader would I be? Um, I love my guys. I do. I, I respect them and uh, I'll stand by them. You know, as far as the other stuff goes, coach of the year, who's that? I don't give a shit. I could care less. As long as they get what's coming to them, I'm happy. I'm happy. And that's not taken away from the, you know, Danny Southwick's and the other players and Espinosa's and all the other kids that are out there. That, that's not taking anything away from them. And I'm sure their coaches filled out their ballot appropriately. Mm-hmm. So it's just, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a loyal guy. And, uh, and I'm proud of my guys and what we've accomplished. And frankly, we're the ones that are in first place, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's reasons for that. <laughs> you know? I didn't do it. They did it. Yeah. So I think they're the, if you're the best in the league on record, they're probably the best in the league on the roster too. Fair assessment, you know, and sticking by sticking to your guys too. I like, I like that response there, you know, cause I mean, Hey, you know, you know, you know, they, you know, they're, you're playing, playing out of this world for everyone on there. So. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to believe, but you know, they, they come to work every day. Um, they do what's asked of them. Um, they're great character guys in the community. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if they weren't my football players, I'd at least consider them friends. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're that sure. kind of guy. Like you, mm-hmm. you want to go have a beer with them. You'd want to yeah. go, you know, out to dinner with them. Yeah. You'd want, you'd want to be around them. If, if it was the other way around, I'd tell you, you know, um, I've coached teams that, that I, I couldn't wait for the season end to get away from them. You know, it's just because it never gelled. It never came together. It never, you know, and that happens. It's not always perfect. I mean, just look at some of the records in this league. I, I, I promise you, Carolina didn't wake up and say, oh, we can't wait to be two and five. Yeah, that's fair. Or Jackson, right? Or, or look at what I – do you know the hardest thing I had to do this year was to beat Jersey twice? Man. I mean, every one of those kids I knew. Every one right. of those coaches I knew. Every – everything about them I knew and I thought after the first game I don't think Terry and I talked for two weeks but it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't yeah it wasn't anything mean or vindictive it was just okay let's both you know take a minute and then the second time we played I don't think he you know I've ever been hugged harder by a guy than I got hugged by Terry congratulating me Mm -hmm. you know and, and then, you know, we'll keep going. And when the season ends in August, you know, in September, we'll probably get together and 
talk for hours again because he's one of my best friends now. So it's just, uh, but during the season, it's hard to have friends with coaches. <laughs> Got really to set something aside for a sec, you know. Yeah, just, I'll see you in four months, buddy. You know, one of those. <laughs> Yeah. Just a little, just a little. We'll, we'll reconvene later. Like you say, get a beer. Yeah, or something. Right. <laughs> get a right. beer after it's all said and done. Oh yeah, yeah you're going <laughs> to have your moments. You know, it's it's funny because the, the hardest thing in the world is when you win. Is you're happy and you're running across the field to shake hands with the guy who just lost, and they're always congenial. They're always kind. You know, it's like good game, good game. You know, this kind of thing. And then when, when you lose and you got to run over there and shake their hand and you want to shake their hand and go, you know, we just, you didn't beat us. We beat ourselves. You don't, <laughs> but you don't say that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to experience that Jacksonville thing again this year. Well, you, you, you're coming up in two weeks here. You'll have a, uh, you'll have the playoffs coming up. You're locked in for the number one seed. And you got a bet to fill, fulfill. So obviously you got some stuff you got to get knocked out. <laughs> oh yeah. No pressure. Well, Sometimes I didn't tell you the no part too. You like this. So when we're sitting at that table, we're signing the contract. Ron's tweeting something. I'm like, boy, this guy's really disinterested in this moment. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he wasn't what he was doing is saying, Oh, we just signed coach, blah, blah, blah. Oh, by the way, we will refund all season ticket holders if we don't host a home playoff game. That's right. And I looked at him and I go, really? Really? You're going to believe that? Really? Okay, maybe we should order some helmets first before we make those kind of offers. <laughs> Just maybe. But we figured. Oh, crazy. Talk about a gamble. Yeah, seriously, talk about a gamble, though. But you guys have made it. And honestly, Coach, we're – me and Jim are wishing you the best, you know, for the Thanks, franchise. Cause like, well, like you, said, you are, Jim's not, but that's oh, okay. Well, okay. Maybe, maybe he is, but on the side, he's kind of, uh, <laughs> you know? yeah. He's like, fuck this guy. <laughs> hey, if I have to enjoy the playoffs without my team and it's fine. No stress for me. I get the oh cover. My God. <laughs> yeah. I have my three right. championships. Hey. I'm happy. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Okay, enough for you then. I want one here. How's that? <laughs> I don't have the rings though. I have the banners, but it doesn't count. <laughs> oh God, rings again, men with jewelry. Oh Correct. my God. <laughs> Why don't we play for something cool like pickup trucks? Come on. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll sign up for an F-150 or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hell, I think my great cup rings worth more than a pickup truck. You know, I mean, it's just nuts. It's just, yeah, just go have fun. And, you know, what's funny, those those trophies collect dust, those rings get passed along, those things happen. What you remember is the guys in the locker room, you know, the travel, the games, the suffering, the injuries. You remember all that stuff. Once again, a special thanks to head coach Tom Anas for joining us on the show. Uh, really, I cannot stress enough, uh, me and Jim both, how – we just enjoyed listen, just kind of sitting back and listening to everything he had to say. You know, it really was. Yeah, I think Jim, you described it best as a like just a story time atmosphere. You know, correct. Like sit sit down, young man. Let me let me tell you a tale or spin you several tales. You know, 
but also of course talking about the season as well and you know just hearing more about how the community is embracing the revival of the empire so far and just it's a lot of good just sounds like a lot of good coming out of what was such a hectic and doubt very doubt-filled situation back in april and early may yeah correct and one thing that he brought up that I thought was pretty intriguing is that the owners of the Albany Empire tweeted on the day that he got hired that we don't host a playoff home game. Everyone's getting refunds. They're hosting a playoff home game here in two weeks. And there's a saying out there, don't write checks that your body can't cash. Albany did exactly that. They wrote the checks and they delivered. So, And that goes to the organization Albany. That goes to him having a good uh, coaching philosophy and rebounding after – as you know, throughout the interview, he took a couple of shots at Jacksonville, and plus it didn't help them chilling in, you know, the state of Florida for two weeks, <laughs> dealing with the humidity down south. Um, but I do like the open invitation he gave me and you for a chance to go up there in Albany possibly next season, uh, and I will take him up on that open invitation. So uh, it's just such a good down-to-earth guy, and that's what football is about. And that's one thing I love about uh, the Iran League um, is that it does get enough credit where credit's due, and these guys love the game. And they're so personable and they're so one with the community. And Tom Anas is a great example of a, a coach, a person, a professional of what this league represents. And I think he is with a good organization and he's representing the team and the league in the right light. It's, it was a pleasure of him having him on. Football is society. I'm definitely taking that one home with me from here on. That is a, that is a great evolution of football as family, or at least something that even expands it further you know Correct. football's life to me and you so mm-hmm. you know it's i mean I, you know it's it's a it's a pillar of my lifestyle so yeah i i, I completely understand how he comes from that and, and by the way as i we talk about inter, this interview and how it got set up uh because we've we've had a lot of people reach out to us at least all six teams we now have had all six teams in some way shape or form whether it's a coach a personnel member or something social media director yeah they've all reached out all six of you so all of you out there for those that have reached out thank you and for this interview i want to especially thank dave mogensen the assistant gm and director of player personnel for the empire for setting this up uh he apparently listens to every episode so he's probably you're probably listening right now dave uh and i'm i appreciate like we're getting good feedback from people you know and i'm not trying to i don't toot my horn often i'm i i put myself as a very you know hands off trying to you know i i would say self-promote but it's been i mean for what i've done with recording other shows this so far through how few we've done it is amazing how much feedback we have gotten so yeah. far and you guys out there the way that you have encouraged us it just makes both myself and jim here way more intrigued to be even going harder into this than we originally were to start out. Mm-hmm. And I've just, we've, we've hinted this and we have given this to you guys throughout the last couple of weeks. Once, when the season ends here in a couple of weeks, we're not going anywhere. Oh, no. We're not going, we're, we're going to bring episodes with you maybe bi-weekly. There might have, we might do a month where we're doing one each and every week because we're having people come up, reach to us that want to be a part of this podcast to talk about their careers and talk about the league. And for me and for you, Zach, it's just like this is just a hobby for us. And we can't believe that we've got it. We've we've been accepted by the league. We've been accepted by you, the listeners. And I'm just like amazed that 
this game that we love is not getting enough attention that it deserves. And we're happy to carry that torch to, you know, at least broaden the, the spectrum of people getting into arena football, because, you know, in other sports leagues, they have their media. There's thousands of podcasts or thousands of websites that represent those sports leagues, nothing for us. And we want to, we want to be the, that podcast that has a torch for now. And we want to give you guys content throughout the off season. We're, we're working on a couple of things behind the scenes. We were trying to do a blog page that we want to get into uh, where we give you our insights and our opinions, maybe some breaking news. Um, but I just want to say to the NAL fans out there, I want to say thank you for the support. We're nearing 300 downloads for only six episodes. That's amazing. Last week, we're, we passed 200. So we've had over 60-some-odd downloads this week. And for me, me and Zach, thank you. We're very grateful. Uh, we've, we're, we're, I don't know how many times I have to say thank you. I really, right. really appreciate <laughs> it. But I'm just going to say this to all the fans out there, uh, to the league, that are questioning about what this league is about to do. Um, just want to say, keep there, keep going, enjoy the ride because we're this league and this podcast, we're, we got some places to go and I'm ready to share, share it with all you guys. And I'll just say, thank you for the support. We're not going anywhere. We'll be here during the off season with some great interviews with some great players, some top tier players in this league and some coaches and some owners. Um, so Get ready for some NAL contact throughout the year. But I want to say thank you again to Coach Tom Moss. Thank you to Brian Hicks. Thank you to Mason Espinoza. Thank you to Danny Southwick and everyone who's reached out on social media to us via messages or tweets. Thank you. I want to say thank you overall to the owners, uh, to hear my fans here in Jacksonville, to the Columbus, of course, and to Albany. And, of course, the social media directors down in Orlando and in, in Jersey. Thank you. Uh, I don't know how many times I can say, it, but thank you. <laughs> I, I, I won't even repeat it. Be, I'll, I'll say thanks one last time, but you've summed it up pretty much perfectly, pal. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's all I can tell you. Uh, and again, folks, uh, this will be it for this show. But listen, there are two episodes this week. If you are listening in again, I reiterate, we do have a episode completely devoted to our usual preview segment, our usual recap segment, talking about our MVP, talking about our talking about, you know, game of the week or any other miscellaneous content we bring up in the news or rumors. That's that is this week as well. So just check your, check your podcast feed, wherever you listen, that is going to be there. It's a separate show. We'll promote it on our social. Uh, and if you aren't on our social, check out in walls pod again, that is in walls pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So be on the lookout for that folks. But until next time, thanks as always again, been awesome getting the support we're looking forward to continuing even more amazing nal content and we're loving to see where this league is going to go because trust me um we're being told that there's going to be some fun stuff up ahead and remember one thing nal and to the fans don't be a jack out of the box it's gonna be a fun ride stay tuned folks (laughs) 